Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Atlanta Super Speedway that we like to call it now. A uh, very interesting race. We had three of them, Saturday and Sunday, uh, an Xfinity race, a truck race, and a cup race. There were a lot of different thoughts on it, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different driver opinions, fan opinions, but uh, I'm in agreement that I, I think it was a pretty fun race, but there's a lot to be talked about, a lot to be discussed. We're going to discuss Atlanta. We're going to discuss what this means for William Byron. What does it mean for mile and a half races in the future and, and preview Circuit of the Americas because that's going to be also another fun weekend coming up. that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with the great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's BELIEVE, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. So as I mentioned, we got a special guest here with me today to record the post-race pod for Atlanta Super Speedway, I guess uh, we're calling it now. So uh, I'd like to bring in a good friend of mine, Matthew Narvaez, here to, to talk with me about Atlanta. And, you know, we, we talked about it a little before we went on the air, you know, our, our thoughts on it. We talked all weekend. Uh, but, you know, just let them know first, obviously, introduce yourself and then, you know, give us your thoughts on, on Atlanta. How, how do you think it went this weekend? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Completely honored to uh, be a part of this post-race thing that maybe will make a more permanent uh, occurrence. But yeah, I'm Athan Arvaez, um, owner and operator of Athanascar Times on Instagram and writing uh, writer and owner and operator of WhoRace.com. Check it out over there. We cover all motorsports, Formula One, NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, so yeah, just some, some early things like you and I were talking about Atlanta all weekend. And I love that you're calling it a super speedway. Cause it really is at the end of the day. I mean, I think William Byron was the one that said it, that it's very mile and a half, but has a lot of super speedway pieces into it and watching it is very super speedway, but you're very aware that the track is still a mile and a half. And, um, you know, all that, all that is really interesting. I do like it. Um, and I know that this is a possibility, like if it was successful, the track being, you know, the, uh, becoming a super speedway race opposed to the boring intermediates that we've gotten used to as late with the old packages, maybe from 2019. Um, you know, I think it's fine as a one-off right now, but, uh, should it expand to like a Texas motor speedway or even like a Las Vegas motor speedway, Kansas speedway, definitely not. Um, I love it as a unique style racetrack. Um, and then also, you know, we'll get into it more into later, but I think too much super speedway racing will be a very bad thing because 
it's not like short track racing. It's not like road course racing. There is a level of skill with super speedway racing, but it's not, um, it's not that pure driver ripping it off the wall. We love the Xfinity series because those cars handle, you know, so, so, uh, like hard, they handle in a way where the drivers really have to work for it. And if the cup series has too much of that super speedway racing, that artificial air racing, as a lot of us like to call it, I think that could be a, a bad thing and a dangerous thing. As we saw, we saw so many hard wrecks and, and of course we'll get more on that after. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree. Like uh, I enjoyed it. I had fun watching the race. You know, I try to be as optimistic as I can with all these new things and, you know, trying to be open to it. And I had fun watching. I thought it was different. I thought it it definitely wasn't your ordinary Daytona Talladega race, but it obviously wasn't your traditional mile and a half. Like it had some characteristics where, you know, it it was a little cool to why it seemed like the drivers could be more, you know, in, in control of what they were doing on the racetrack. But still at the end of the day, like you mentioned at the end there, a lot of wrecks, a lot of close racing, a lot of carnage. But if we can keep that to a minimum, you know, if we're going to have, you know, what was four, now six super speedway races with this Atlanta race, I think that's okay. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought some people were maybe a little too negative to it right off the bat. Um, but like what you said, I think the biggest factor of this is we saw it, we enjoyed it. I, I guess you could say it worked, brought in some viewership, stands looked great um, as they have all season. But Let's not do this everywhere else. You know, let's keep everywhere else, you know, what it is right now. Let's not go digging up mile and a half. So I think Ross Chastain's comment was my favorite. Don't go digging up Kentucky because it's gone. Yeah, like Kentucky's gone. Yeah. I totally agree. I did, not, I did not even hear that one. He's, yeah, he, he said, he said, don't go digging, digging up Kentucky. It's six feet under. And I was like, I totally agree. That, that track is gone. Yeah. It's done. So they, they destroyed right. that one forever. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest part. Let's just not go making every mile and a half this own thing. I think Atlanta, it could be its own thing. Cause who knows what this can turn into, you know, Kurt Busch, like you, like we had mentioned before, he wants them to go unrestricted. Some drivers want them to go unrestricted when they come back in July as the track ages too. It's a new surface, you know, as the track ages too, what's it going to do? Could this be something um, that just really etches into like really its own thing that we could see? I don't, I want to see what the future could hold of this track. Cause it is very unique. You know, it's obviously Daytona, but condensed. So like, could this be something that switches into something else in the future? But the initial race, I mean, we don't usually see races that I feel like go well on repaved tracks. It's really hard to do when you freshly repave a track and have a good race the first time out. I think it was pretty good. I think I, I enjoyed the show personally. Yeah. Two things to what you just said right there was first thing you said in the beginning um, was how drivers can control more of what they do now, like on a, on a singular car basis, opposed to a Daytona and Talladega. Right. So uh, this happened multiple times throughout the weekend, the truck Xfinity and cup race more in the cup and Xfinity series, maybe the truck series, just a little bit too, too slow, I guess maybe, but with cup and Xfinity, everybody that watched the race, the cup race on Sunday knows what Christopher Bell did to get up to the top five. You saw Chase Elliott trying to make his own headway off the corners and he would try to make his own line for someone to go with him, but it wasn't working. Christopher, he gets a good slingshot on someone. And even Mike Joyce said it on the broadcast, that old Daytona slingshot kind of came back. And in the last couple of years, when we watched Daytona Talladega, no guy, no one can, other than just playing outside drafting right away, once they get on the side of someone, no one can pull out and make a head of steam by themselves. And that was really, really interesting to see Christopher do that. I think I saw Austin Hill do it on in Xfinity, not later in the race, but sometime during that race. 
Uh, I saw him do it a couple times. There's been a uh, numerous times where people were doing that. And, and that leads, that leads into saying that, yes, this as, as much as this maybe loses a little bit of uh, driver skill opposed to the old worn out Atlanta, there is still a plenty of skill that plays into that. And the mental toughness that even William Byron said later in his interview that it just played that long race, that super speedway style racing, it plays into a lot of guys' hands. And yeah, it's a, it's a, you're not going to make everyone happy. I, I'm happy. Am I completely satisfied? Not necessarily. Uh, maybe you're a little more happy than me, but then on the second thing that you were talking about was about um, the race itself, like digging up, digging up uh, Kentucky or whatever. Like I would love it if, if Texas, I would love for it to happen to Texas, but to go back, like to go that far back, like we lost, can we lost Kentucky? That was that. That's pretty much it. I feel like we've already kind of lost Texas too, in a way. But yeah. there's so much pride in that in that track. I feel like it was one of the ones that was like meant for expand the NASCAR expansion in the early '90s. You know, it was ready for the hundred thousand fans that were coming to the races every week, and if Texas is, if Texas's repave didn't go as, as bad as it did, we would never have this Atlanta news, new Atlanta super speedway. It would never, it would have never happened. Like if, if they saw Texas do well, Atlanta would have just kept it normal repaved. And if we had decent racing, then that was fine for them, but this is NASCAR's decision and they rolled with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't mind, you know, taking some construction vehicles to Texas and going to town. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, people have been making jokes about <laughs> it all the time, you know. So yeah, it's something else for sure. But I mean, yeah. they—I will give Texas props. We hate on, you know, when we have Tommy Joe on this podcast. That's probably his least favorite racetrack in the entire world. He hates it so sure. much. Uh, understandable. Okay. Um, Good to know. But you know, the—I uh, will give Texas props. You know, just a little spotlight. The IndyCar race was not that bad. I enjoyed the IndyCar race. No, no, like, no, not at all. And, and, and it may be NASCAR, part yes, of the fact that IndyCar is a different dynamic during the race. There was some long run strategy, you know, maybe some right. things that we don't see in, in stock car racing anymore that we saw. And Jimmy Johnson cracking the top five. I mean, who, did, who doesn't want to see that? I mean, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but, top, top six, but we'll, yeah. we'll call it a top five. He was fifth, and then he lost it. But well, He was you know, fifth. Yes. Yeah, he got passed. And he, get, he yeah. got passed by Dixon at the end, didn't he? Well, I think he got fifth right before. No, he was racing with Pagano, who was fifth, I think it was. And then Pagano slipped back, and Dixon came up and passed everyone. And I think that's what happened with Jimmy. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, he did get passed back by Pagano. Then I think Dixon took it over, and Pagano came, went, fell back. Almost, yeah. Almost. Yeah. But, yeah, good to see Jimmy Johnson doing good things. But, you know, himself, obviously, a former Hendrick driver. And let's talk about a current Hendrick driver, William Byron, the winner. Uh, of the race at Atlanta. And, and while it was crazy, you know, it was a big, it, it was a mental game, you know, obviously super speedway. We know anything could happen. The Hendrick crew really fast this year. Obviously they have three of the four guys on their team of one races this year. Um, you know, that's, that's including right. Alex Bowman and Kyle Larson. And now William Byron gets the win here at Atlanta. I mean, you know, let's talk real quick about what a confidence booster it is for Hendrick, what a confidence booster is for William Byron. Cause I feel like he's had, you know, and I think you'd mentioned this to me earlier in the week, he's had really fast cars during the races, just can never like put the results together. And finally in a race where it's like, it seemed like the hardest to put a good result together. He does it. He gets the win. So, I mean, for Rudy Fugel, William Byron, another win early in the season. Um, you know, how do you feel like this gives him momentum for the rest of the year? 
Yeah, I mean, William Byron is a is a tough case to crack, I feel like, because we, we saw him last year. You know, he dominated at Homestead. I think he dominated that race, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, he did a great job, and he was the first Hendrick guy to win last year. And it kind of it kind of set the stage, I feel like, for what it wasn't. Like, it ended up not being a great year for William Byron. A lot of missed opportunities. He should have won maybe two, three races, maybe more. Um, but he couldn't capitalize. And that's a, that is a driver maturity kind of thing. We, we know that like we see Christopher Bell, he won last year. It didn't happen for him for the rest of the year. He didn't win. He didn't lead a lot of laps. He didn't light the world on fire, but that was kind of expected his second season in the cup series. And he won the second race by uh, of the season in 2021. But now we look, then William Byron won the very next week and he was already in his fourth season in cup by last year and like we should have seen some big progression you know deep playoff run Hendrick was the dominators last year but then again it, the you know the the cream rise to the crop in the way of the very experienced drivers of Chase Elliott and and Kyle Larson and maybe Alex Bowman too with all those wins he had but the consistency consistency wasn't there he's kind of he was kind of like a step above William with the wins but he just didn't have the pot the the consistency of like chase and and then and, and um and uh and kyle but with william the confidence and the and the momentum that he gives him through the rest of the year is is look at what you did last year look at the mistakes that you did last year what did because this is very similar you've won the fifth race of the season which is still like the very early part of the season third and fifth race is only two weeks apart compared to last year look what went wrong Look at your teammates, size them up, because, frankly, I think they're the fastest Hendrick car right now. Yes, Chase has been really good. He's the points leader right now. Willie may have had a bad break somewhere along there. But his speed is undoubtedly, I think, the best Hendrick car. And Chevys are on top right now. So this could be a very early stepping stone to dominating into the summer stretch, making your claim that you are a very for sure uh, championship for contender and and. His the momentum that this takes it to the next um, the mo the momentum that comes from this win is solely dependent on where he is by the end of the summertime. Is our is NBC talking about him about going to the championship four, and because that's not something they were doing last year. Yeah, exactly. All Hendrick cars right now top twelve in the point standings. Uh, Kyle yeah. Larson being the one in twelfth with the victory already. He's had a rough few weeks. William Byron's the one in fourth, and Chase Elliott the one the one Hendrick car without a win is leading the entire point standings right now by looks like yeah. seven points. So, uh, and then you have Alex. Things Bowman are good over there. Nine. Things are, things are very good in Hendrick and things are very good in the Chevy camp. Cause if you look around at the next Chevy yeah. team that are really high in the point standings, Trackhouse racing has both cars in the top 13 of the point standings. There's a big reason why we talked about Daniel yeah. Suarez after auto club weekend, the, the way that he was able to fight um, almost win the race. I mean, it was painful. It was painful when he didn't cause man, I was, I was rooting for him. It just, just, Choose a different lane. Maybe things go different, but it happens. It's racing. Um, he finishes fourth this weekend, but another top three finish for the watermelon win, Ross Chastain. I know we wanted to talk about him on the show. I mean, just incredible job, honestly, exceeding anyone's expectations for uh, what Absolutely. he's been able to do this year. We've been heading to so many different racetracks. 
you know, Daytona gets caught up in an incident. Um, and then you go to auto club the next week where, you know, they really fought a lot of adversity already. I mean, they wrecked the first 15 seconds of practice. Um, and I remember when they came back in the backup car, he was running well that race too. all of track house was Daniel Suarez almost won in the race. Chastain was up there. Um, and then Vegas third Phoenix second Atlanta second. So on a tear, the, this guy, Ross Chastain hopping in with Phil surgeon where last year it seemed like it connected towards that last part of the year, the last 10, 15. So races, that 42 team was doing very well, you know, gets a second place at Nashville runs very well at Darlington. Um, and it seemed like things were clicking. So it was really good, great to see for Ross Chastain, but man, Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta, you know, now Atlanta is a very different racetrack than any of them. So it's really interesting to see how he did that. But, you know, Ross Chastain, goes out there in the truck race. He did, he did run the truck race, um, but obviously very different race cars when you're comparing them from cup to truck. Um, but the ability to go out there and get a second place finish is so close again on, on the final laps. I mean, Phoenix, it came down to an overtime restart Vegas. He was leading a lot towards the end of the race. And now Atlanta, another late restart almost gets it done. He's almost there getting to that win, but like you can tell him, Suarez over there doing well, Trackhouse racing. I mean, did we really, did anyone really expect them to get off to the crazy of a start as they are right now? There's definitely no way. I mean, for me personally, and I was listening to a lot of other people um, in the industry, like different podcasts or different networks. I was even listening to NASCAR America, uh, NASCAR America on Peacock uh, last night. And I didn't watch the whole show, but I did see the things that they talked about Ross Chastain with. And a lot of people are just really surprised, uh, analysts and, and, and NASCAR personalities that know a lot about racing and know about a generational car shift and how much opportunity it's given Trackhouse. Like, I don't think we've ever seen this before. It's, I want to say that this season has been full of parity, but I feel like there's been a lot of swapping of consistent, swapping of strength. Like yeah. we've seen Joe Gibbs take a little bit of a downfall. Stuart Haas racing has gone stronger. And with the Chevys just all around getting so much faster, uh, getting, getting a lot more speed out of their engines opposed to Ford or Toyota, it has helped all of them across the board, but specifically uh, the drivers that are the most related with this car and most related with the, uh, with the package that it, that it has right now. Like you were mentioning to me this past week or, or a week ago, and you said, whoever you think, whoever has been good with that Xfinity package of late, or whoever just got out of Xfinity cars fresh out of their, those and coming into this cup next gen car is going to really do well with this package, this low uh, downforce, high horsepower package. And Ross Chastain is the classic, you know, showcase of that. He has shown not just the ability to run up front. He has taken it. He's taken it a little bit step further than Daniel Suarez. And you know me, I'm a supporter of any driver on the track, but I would love to see Daniel Suarez possibly get a race win. We were rooting for him at auto club for an example, but has he been there? Like Ross Chastain, has he led the laps? I mean, Ross led over 80 laps at, at Vegas, I believe. And then he, um, he led laps this past weekend, like 60 something. So he's already, he's already, uh, I think he's doubled his amount in laps led in a whole season already. That was compared to last year. You mentioned how him and Phil Surgeon started to get better throughout the latter half of that year, uh, this past season, I mean, in 2021. I think that's true. 
but he was good from the get-go. I mean, we're heading we're heading to Coda this weekend, and he was finished seventh at Coda last year, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I know he got a top 10, and he was running really, really good in the rain. He had a lot of car control. He was showing that he was a proper driver for Chip Ganassi Racing, and that's why Trackhouse got him. And I think they have no – they're, like, taking no regrets about choosing Ross Chastain – as their driver. And he's, he's really elevated the company with, with just Daniel. They're like, right. You know, obviously, you know, the, the listeners can't see us, but they're just with Daniel, they're at like 60%, but with Ross, it has taken them to almost, you want to think a championship contending team. Yeah, for sure. I think what they build over there, I didn't have, you know, that much expectations for them, at least right off the bat. And, you know, the way that they've been able to get this done. I mean, it's crazy. You mentioned not just, not just getting some fluke finishes, but man, running up front all race. And and that's something that other teams in the garage will take notice for. I mean, if you're up there leading the laps, running up front all race and not just showing up in the last 15 laps, you know, it's going to mean something. And exactly. I'm sure that's, that's been a huge factor for them making waves um, in the series, you know, as a new organization now in their second year as a two car team and kind of the reins they were taking over when they bought out Chip Ganassi racing, when they took all their assets turn that into their own organization. So, I mean, it's really cool to see. There's a, there's so many varying storylines when you look up and down, you know, this point standings. I mean, we're five races in the season. There's no reason to overreact about everything. Um, you know, there's guys that are doing very well in these standings that you might have not expect. There's some guy low, guys low in the standings that you might have not expected as well. Um, but I think the biggest, the biggest thing right now is Denny Hamlin, who's sitting 26th in the point standings. We're talking about a guy that got off to a rocket start last year, you know, head to head with Kyle Larson. They had a regular season battle up until the wire. Does it, you know, can that still happen for Denny Hamlin? Sure. You know, there's way more than enough races left in the regular season to rebound, but 26 in the standings, um, only 79 points to the seat on the season compared to, you know, the points leader, Chase Elliott, who has 171, um, you know, is, is, I wouldn't say there's room for concern because the 11 card's been fast during these races. I think it's just more so bad luck that we've been caught in a lot of incidents, mechanical issues, um, you know, and I think they can get it right back on track pretty soon um, as far as, you know, Denny Hamlin and that team. Because Doug's racing has been fast all year, you know, when you consider Kyle Busch, when you consider um, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell is the next concerning one because he's in 30th on the standings with uh, 102 points back from the points leader. Um, so the point standings, very odd dynamic as you go up and down uh, the list here. But, you know, let's start with Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell. We'll do both kind of the Joga's racing drivers. It's it's interesting. You got Kyle Busch, who's up in 11th. Truex is up in 8th. But then you got Christopher Bell in 30th, Denny Hamlin in 26th. So do you think there's really reason for concern, or is it just more so bad luck? Yeah, this is another topic in the NASCAR industry right now, similar to like Ross Chastain, that everyone is talking about Denny Hamlin's struggle. Um, is it a struggle? Yes, obviously, because it's it's extended through five races. Is yeah. there reason to con- reason to panic or concern? Definitely not. We're talking about a guy that just went to the championship four last year. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't get why people would be confused or worried or or um like uh, twisted on if Denny Hamlin is going to fix this or is he finished, washed or whatever. The however far you want to take it, there's definitely no way. 
Um, he's had issues in the Daytona 500. He wrecked out. Of course, after the 500, most, majority of drivers are not in a good points position. I think Larson, the reigning champ, he left there at like, what, 27th in the points, I think. Yeah. It wasn't a good situation for Larson. So what everybody everybody that leaves Daytona, they don't anticipate to have to have a lot of points. After Fontana, maybe you can have another issue, of course. But he did finish 15th there. Of course, that was a wild race as well. You know, you had uh, Suarez finish up there. I think Briscoe was running good at Auto Club. So was Kyler Reddick uh, until you had that issue with William Byron. This car has thrown a wrench in, like, the midfield guys of last year moving up a step, like Briscoe, like Chastain, who we didn't see have a ton of success uh, in the entirety of 2021. And I think Denny has to find his footing with the car. There's no concern JGR is not really that off, in my opinion. I think Ford is more off than Toyota, um, in a way, like on these mile and a half tracks. And I think, you know, if they don't fix it by the time we get to the mile and a half tracks, we'll see that more often because we've only had Vegas to kind of base that off of. Um, and yeah, so I don't think there's any panic for concern in Denny. I think Christopher, he was running up there at Atlanta. Atlanta is a tough track now to kind of take advice from because it is a super speedway you know, influence track. I think that uh, Christopher, it all depends on how um, kind of like the mindset that they put themselves in because they have it. They're not Denny Hamlin. The 11 team is another level of that 20 team. And the 20 team has always been below the rest of their JGR teammates for the last couple of seasons. So if Denny is sitting here thinking to himself, I'm the guy. I mean, last year I was so consistent, the most consistent driver out of anybody, finishing in the top 10, I think more out of anyone, uh, better than than Larson. He had all the wins, but Larson had a couple uh, couple finishes outside the top 15. And then you're looking at Christopher last year, he got that one win, but there was never a stretch of consistency. There was no battle for a win for the for the regular season championship. He was looking at a round of 12, round of 16 exit, most likely. There's a there's a spatial gap from the 11 team and the 20 team. So, yeah, no panic button for the 11 team. For the 20 team, I'd say we have to see how the next couple of weeks go. And I'm way more confident in putting in my money on Danny Hamill winning a race in these next three to four weeks, month or so, opposed to Christopher Bell. So they'll just have, you know, the 20 team, no panic either. It's the first five races. It's been unfortunate for them. But I think they have enough speed to recover. And the experience atop the box is second to none. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Toyota's getting faster. Kyle Busch looks good, in my opinion. Like, he looks pretty good. The finishes may not be there. But really, Kyle, I think he's getting back into his little form. But, of course, he's got new players to mess with up, up front. So, I, like I said, no, no concern on the 11 and 20, really, from my end. Yeah, uh, and then we'll note on one more thing kind of here in the point stains before we head over to the next segment of the show. You know, I'm looking up, you know, up and down the standings here, and one guy that, you know, I kind of expected to make a little jump this year but didn't uh, is Cole Custer. Cole Custer, Xfinity Series winner at Auto Club. Uh, you know, you really want to talk about this one? <laughs> <laughs> in the 07. Um, yeah. You know, last year wasn't the year he wanted. Sophomore slump, I would have called it. Um but SHR as an organization last year, not very good, right? You know, they just did not hit on anything. Um, but now Eric Amarola, seventh in the standings. He's had an incredible streak in his final season, something that I'm sure none of us really expected. Drew Blickenstaff around the box. They've made some personnel changes. Maybe they're here to play. 
Kevin Harvick has had some pretty solid runs as of late. It's 14th in the standings. Chase Briscoe, third in the standings, already won a race this year, has been pretty good at majority of the races we've been to this year. Very impressive on Chase Briscoe. That one guy you look at, and it seems like every time you looked up and down the Stuart Haas racing roster, it seemed like the 41 was lacking somewhere. Um, So Cole Custer, we know he's a talented racer. We know what he's done in the Xfinity series. We know what he just did in the Xfinity series. I mean, he just went there first start and won the damn race at auto club dominated it. You know, he did it. So what do you think, you know, the issue is, you know, at the 41 camp right now, cause it's not just, you know, they've had okay runs. They've had a few okay runs, but they just really haven't been up to where, you know, we've seen the SHR teammates uh, going up to So is this something that do you think they, you know, when we talk about, do you need a concern or, do you need to panic between the 20 and the 11 team is the 41 team right now. Do you think they need to panic with their performance? I am pressing the button that says yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I'll keep this short and sweet for you. I mean, we, we've taught, we talk about drivers throughout the field. We talk about struggling drivers. We talk about good drivers on a week to week basis uh, for Cole Custer. In my honest opinion, the way that Chase Briscoe is running right now makes him look really bad. Like yeah. really, really bad. I mean, we talk about Ross and, and Daniel, and you know they're pretty close. Ross is um running better, but he also has the lead, the laps led to show for it, and that's the difference between him and Daniel. But Daniel's not too far off. Chase Briscoe and and uh, Cole Custer are perfect comparisons because they're both young drivers. Cole only has one more year of experience, but in that 2019 package, right? So, I mean. That's kind of like just like let's disregard that season. I just looked it up, looked up the stats, kind of cheating here. And uh, Cole Custer only has 14 laps led in his entire cup career. And I bet you know Christopher Bell is, doesn't have hundreds and hundreds, and neither does Tyler Reddick have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of laps led. But that is pretty disappointing. And I know SHR was off last year. You touch on Eric Amarola. And, and and that's really, really impressive. Chase Briscoe, uh, the perfect storm. You know, this new next gen, he got his feet wet in the Cup Series last year. The next gen car comes in. He was super good on the, uh, he was super, super, um, uh, he was really, really good on the, um, uh, in the 2021 uh, Xfinity, 2022, 2020 Xfinity Series season, sorry. Um, he was really good in that season. And he's good with the, the 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 higher horsepower. He's good with car control cars. And that's how he's been performing in Cup. And with this car, it has helped him. And that's the perfect storm. But yeah, I would say definitely the 41 car has to be worried. I think maybe a crew chief change could come to him anytime soon. I mean, I think that SHR should probably think about that. Uh, but for Cole, yeah, I mean, for Cole, he has to. I don't know if it's his cars that have to get faster, but for him, I, maybe he has to make some internal change with himself. I mean, you look at Alex Bowman when he kind of took that next step of winning Chicagoland, and then he just started kind of running better. You know, he got one off for himself, and he kind of made his name in the Cup Series. Cole is kind of falling into that category of not a nobody, but just like unknown. Like we don't really know what he's capable of. Yeah. And, and yes, he had, I think he has the car. I think he has a car. I think he has the ability to run just as good as Eric Amarola right now. He never fully sold me in the Xfinity series, but he's a clearly a talented race car driver. He just simply needs to put a couple of good weekends together, finish top 15 at least, but definitely the panic button starts now because of how he ran last season. And the fact that I know he can't just rock up to any week like Denny Hamlin and win a race. 
Yeah. And it's odd too. Cause you know, we talk about crew chief changes and, you know, Mike Shiplett, you know, the crew chief on the 41 was the guy that came up with him through the Xfinity series had had success before. Obviously they had an a, you know, incredible season his last year in Xfinity gets the call up to cup. And it just seems like it hasn't really worked out as well as we thought, you know, when we do those, you know, crew chief pairings, when we're matching from Xfinity to cup the transition. So, you know, we, we saw crew chief change most recently at Stewart house racing, drew Blickensturfer comes over to the 10 team. I think it's worked out very well. I think it's worked out tremendously. They've had tremendous speed. Eric Amarola has done very well, way better than I would have imagined, especially in his final season. Uh, we know Roddy Childers and Kevin Harvick are just, you know, going to be a pairing that's going to get it done in some sort of way or, or fashion. Um, so, sure. you know, you what they got over there. Yeah, exactly. You never count out a champion. Yeah. Never count out a champion. But what, what they got over there at SHR is interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Mike Shiplett, Colt Custer. But five races into a season, you know, there's rumor they can grow. He's He is running another Xfinity race this weekend at Coda, uh, which we'll jump into that whole dynamic just here in a second. But, um, you know, we'll see. The, the The panic button's definitely on, I feel like, for some of these teams, even though we're, we're in a new car next gen. It's been so unpredictable, but... Uh, there's got to be some guys that, you know, they, they know they need to prove themselves if they want to earn that next year's contract because there's going to be a lot of hungry young drivers knocking at the door uh, ready for a ride. So we're Yeah, one thing to, to throw in there, if you don't mind me saying, with yeah. Cole, obviously, his father being the president of Haas Automation, he's got a little security in his job, right? Is he feeling comfortable? I mean, I know from, like, past experience watching racing, you know, different, I'll make this short, but for guys that have long-term contracts, they feel quite comfortable in a team. And, of course, that means that they're tenured veterans and they know how to they know how to win races, they know how to compete for championships. But some guys that have that knowledge that they're going to be there for a long time, sometimes some drivers need to know that, hey, if I don't perform right now, I'm not going to have that contract for next year. Yeah. They need some sense of urgency. And I see that a lot in Formula One. Carlos Sainz feels more comfortable with knowing that he's going to be at a team for a long time. And I think Sergio Perez, also, he mentioned something about that. He also sometimes feels comfortable when he knows he has to go out there and chase the carrot. And you look at Cole Custer, yes, he's very comfortable, probably going to be in that 41 car for as long as he wants. But, of course, Tony Stewart and the rest of the team, they're not going to be waiting too long for results. They want all their four cars winning. And that's where he has to change it as soon as possible. I don't know the answer, but he has to get it done soon. Yeah, we'll just have to find out. All right, now we're going to enter a little segment I like to call the NASCAR Report, presented by 5150. Uh, we're going to go over some of the latest news around the sport and kind of just riff on it for a little bit, a little short and simple, but just so you're in the know of what's going on. And we're going to kick it off with a real feel-good story I felt like that was announced yesterday. Uh, Brad Perez, nicknamed Bread, uh, is going to make his NASCAR Camping World Truck Series debut for Riombros Racing at Circuit of the Americas. Um, he's, you know, a well-known road racer in his, his legend cars and Miata racing. Uh, he made his Arkham Menard series debut last year in Watkins Glen, but a cool opportunity here, uh, with Riombers racing, good people over there, Brad Perez to make his truck debut at Coda. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, a little bit more about him personally, maybe I, I don't know too much about his past racing career. I know he's been racing Mazdas, but it's really cool to see guys get a good opportunity in the NASCAR ranks and that have been working hard. So it's cool to see hard work pay off. 
yeah, it's always good to see an opportunity like this and I'll riff on it just, you know, a little bit more. He's, you know, a guy that's been working as a tire technician on a lot of teams, including, you know, back at home with, with Martin's Motorsports when they were Martin's Motorsports. He currently works for Rackley War. Um, he's done a lot of work for ARCA teams, Josh Williams Motorsports. So he's a guy that's well known uh, around the series as far as guys like in the industry working at the track every week, uh, you know, hard worker. He's made his career kind of in SCCA racing legend cars and then Miata's Mazda's like we mentioned. Uh, so it's really cool to see him uh, get his opportunity at Coda. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Bubba Wallace is going to make his return to the Xfinity series this weekend at Circuit of the Americas. Another one of those drivers trying to gain some more experience on the race course for the cup race on Sunday. He'll be running the Xfinity race on Saturday's uh, listed drive. The number 18 Dr. Pepper Toyota Supra for Joe Gibbs Racing. That's actually one of two scheduled races for him in that car this year. This will be his first Xfinity start since last year where I don't think he was playing. He wasn't planning to run that race, but he ended up running the, uh, the 61 at Michigan last second for uh, Hattori. Um, uh, the 61 Toyota in that race, he did score top 10, uh, in that race, but yeah, Bubba out there to gain some more experience, uh, in the Xfinity car, Dr. Pepper Toyota Supra. So we'll get to see him this week in Dakota. Yeah. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little fan of uh, door bumper clears podcast on dirty mo media. And, uh, one of the guys on there, one of the spotters is pretty crafty spots for Bubba Wallace's 23 car in the cup series. And he always mentions how Bubba can have a little bit more, uh, practice time on those road courses. And I've even been at uh, uh, been at multiple road courses, and I've seen Bubba kind of struggle sometimes. And yeah, I mean, this is great opportunity for him to get more track time at Coda. Obviously, a track that not many drivers have on track experience, um, opposed from like sim racing. And uh, yeah, it's just it's really cool for him to get an opportunity in a really quality car. Of course, like you said, he was in that sixty-one car last year, which is a great a great opportunity. Of course. Is it the most competitive car? Hasn't won a race? No, obviously not. Now he's in the 18 car. I think he can definitely compete for a top 10 this weekend and, and obviously get a lot out of it. Um, but one thing to throw in there, the paint scheme, not a fan, not a fan. His 23 <laughs> schemes look amazing, but the, the, the Dr. Pepper car for the 18 could, could use a little work. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Balicki, a little uh, Alpha Prime racing news here. Josh Balicki uh, is going to be doing some double duty this weekend. We know his cup duties have been in the number 77 for Spire Motorsports, where he actually finished 16th this weekend at Atlanta. But now he's going to run two races in one weekend, driving the 45 Alpha Prime Chevy. Um, really nice paint scheme. Not that's a nice paint scheme. I know you might not be a fan of the, the 18 Xfinity car, but I'm, I'm liking the 45 car. I like what uh, good old Ryan Pastana does, uh, for the alpha prime boys over there. But nonetheless, Josh Balicki, a road course guy has had road course success in the Xfinity series. And he gets re to return to that series, uh, and make another start running double duty this weekend. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, Josh is another guy I think that really works hard at his program. He works hard on getting rides. He has a great opportunity with Spire Motorsports this season, and he's, he he got a, a beneficial result this past weekend at Atlanta. Makes sense, an attrition race. But also, he's a big player on these road courses. I've seen him do well on road courses. So to drive um, the 45, you know, Alpha Prime, I know you're pretty closely related with them. They hired a lot of different drivers this year, and I think a couple guys that are really, really good on road courses. Yeah. Um, and he's one of them. So I think it will be a really um, exciting sight to see him race for that for that team. And I can't wait and obviously see what he can do in the Cup Series. You know, this car is kind of like an equalizer. So if he can run up front in the 77, that'll be a lot of fun.
yeah, we're, we're building an army at, at alpha prime racing. It's where we call yeah. it an army. So, and you know, who's, who's debuting uh, the weekend after at Richmond raceway, that'll be the good old boy, Raja Karuth. So a lot of, a lot of new stuff That's going right. into Richmond and that, that can uh, be part of the, this little news debacle too, is that he officially announced his, like his whole uh, schedule yesterday. Raj did um, try to pull okay. it up real quick on the fly. I know he's, he's obviously starting off. He's running Richmond. Um, and then Dover on April 30th, Pocono, July 23rd, Kansas, September 10th, Martinsville, October 29th. And he finishes the season running for the team at Phoenix on November 5th. So, Hey man, Raja Karuth making a start next weekend. So a lot of, a lot of first season debuts going on here for alpha prime, but let's talk about Raj, uh, for a little bit, you know, um, I know we'll probably, we might, uh, have him on the show next weekend or next week before his first Xfinity starts. So that'd be cool to get to talk to him, but. You know, I, I went to the test that they had in New Smyrna. Team was very pleased with how it went. Um, obviously going to take some time to really get his feet wet in racing conditions. But, you know, ma- making his first start uh, next week. And I think Richmond's a perfect track for it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a big it's a big step. You know, there's a lot of ARCA experience that that kid has. But, you know, moving up to the to the Xfinity series, uh, not full-time basis, of course. But to get his feet wet into the uh, bigger echelon of motorsports here, um, in a racing condition and a good car, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's good equipment. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. I can kind of relate this to Nick Sanchez, you know, also yeah. a rev racing driver. Um, he got an opportunity with uh, MBM. I think, um, alpha prime will definitely be a little bit of a step above of that. And if he can keep the car clean and bring it home, I bet his mindset, I would anticipate his mindset going into the race is to go ahead and finish all the laps and keep the car clean and just bring it home. Yeah, exactly. All right. Ross Chastain, just talking about him, hot start in the Cup Series, and he's going to take his talents over to the Xfinity Series for this weekend. He ran the truck race last weekend at Atlanta. Now he's going to be hopping in, doing some Xfinity racing this year, which he actually made his only Xfinity start in last year, filling in for Joe Graff in the 07, where he qualified second. And I think they had some like mechanical issue, had a drop to the back, finished 30th. But nonetheless, he'll be driving a red-hot number 92, uh, that's been wheeled by Kyle Weatherman this season pretty well. Um, but unfortunately, due to sponsorship, wasn't able to run at Coda. So Ross Chastain hops in the car to gain some more experience for Coda. So, I mean, man, we're talking about probably the hottest guy, most consistent guy in the NASCAR Cup Series right now, Ross Chastain. Um, and now he's going to be getting some more experience uh, on an Xfinity track at Coda. And we saw him do well, I think, at the Cup race last year, or at least on road course, it did pretty well. So, uh, aiming for more experience, Ross Chastain joining uh, the Goslins over at DJM. Yeah, I mean, Ross, I, I got to love Ross's tenacity, right? I mean, he's running the Atlanta race for the 41 team this past weekend at Nice, a, tra- a team that he has relationship with, a prior relationship with, and now he's going to run for DGM. Uh, I got a question for you because I've been quite confused about the news. Uh, is that DGM car a possible better car, out of like a stronger car out of another stable, or is it a DGM-based uh, Chevy? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, cause I'm not, I don't think they, they haven't sent out any official press release for it. Um, sure. as far as DGM. Um, but I mean, I could run that by them and see, but I don't, I, I wouldn't assume so. I would think it's just a straight DGM Chevy. Cause I don't know where else they would get it from. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah, yeah. track house doesn't have any Xfinity inventory and I don't think junior motorsports would be like giving them a car. So I think, I think it's just a DGM car. He's probably just there to get laps, you know, I yep. would imagine. So I'm not sure though. That'd be something to be interested in too. 
to look into. Yeah, I'm not saying that it has to be anything better than a, DG, a DGM car. Of course, he wants to get laps. That's exactly what he needs to do. Um, and if that's what he feels like uh, he should do, then you know it's a good opportunity. And yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't think DGM or specifically Ross has any connection with anybody in Xfinity anymore like that. Yeah, I don't think so either. The only thing I would think is Colic, but I, th- I think it's probably a DGM car, probably in just there, in, just in there to get some laps. But that '92 cars definitely have some momentum. I mean, you know, we can note a little bit on yeah. on Kyle Weatherman. You know, just to give him a shout out here. It sucks. I mean, five races in, and he's 21st in the point standings, only like 40 something back of the playoffs. Obviously, early in the season, that's a stretch. But just to see, just to show how impressive he's been this season in that '92. Um, I mean, it's been incredible, you know, 21st in the standings, the way he is getting his career best eighth place finish at Atlanta. And he's been fast I mean, he qualified 10th at Phoenix as well, ran consistent there. So really cool to see what Kyle Weatherman's doing, a guy that spent all of last year and some of the year previous driving for Mike Harmon racing felt like this was a better uh, opportunity for him. And he proved himself. I think what he wanted to do is prove himself. He knew that the five races were the only races guaranteed at the start of the season. He went in, he proved himself and week to week might not be enough time to make an offer happen, but Hey, maybe a few weeks down the road, some other team, you know, approaches him or he finds some more sponsorship and, and can make something happen. But nonetheless, I mean, really cool to see what Kyle Weatherman did. Unfortunately, he won't be in the car this weekend, but uh, I think he's really proud of his efforts for sure. I mean, those races can only get you more sponsorships. Like you said, or that those races can only get you noticed by maybe a bigger team or by, by the team and, and them putting the effort in by, to get you more sponsorship or uh, a, a current sponsor that he had in the first five races can hop back on the 92 um, for him. It stinks not to see him in the, in the, uh, in the car this weekend, of course, but he did everything that he needed to do. He laid it down on the line. He did a great job. I think he elevated that team. And we'll see where it takes him from here. I could see him maybe getting, you know, a possible truck opportunity. So this weekend, as uh, you've probably, as we've hinted at throughout the show, obviously well-known, we're headed to the Circuit of the Americas, the road course where last year I feel like really didn't get a fair chance uh, because it was raining all weekend and there was chaos, race control issues, crashing, um, you know, obviously, you know, people who have watched Formula One or watched other races there, it's a nice track, very great facility, nice racing track. I felt like a lot of people were harsh on it just because of the events that took place last year. But nonetheless, we're back for another triple header weekend at Circuit of the Americas. It's going to be a double header on Saturday, which is going to be very interesting. I know some of the, the crew members were complaining about that last year. Hopefully they uh, kind of sorted out this year, the Xfinity truck double header um, in the garage area. But um Nonetheless, three race weekends or three, three races we get this weekend going to be really cool. Um, the cup series has, it looks like 39 cars entered. So obviously everyone will qualify the Xfinity series is always a melee. And there's going to be a lot of cars going home from that series. I believe 42 entered, um, or 41 or 42 entered this weekend, depending on who withdraws and who doesn't Chuck series has about 39, I believe 39 entered because the number three Jordan Anderson racing truck, uh, withdrew from that event. So you run down, run up and down the list, you know, real quick and, you know, we'll, we'll look at the truck series first and kind of riff on that for a little bit. Kaz Gralla uh, running double duty this weekend. He's running the cup race for Floyd Mayweather's team, the Money Team Racing. Also running the truck series race in the O2, which he actually did very good in last year when he ran that same exact truck in the same exact race. Tyler Hill's driving the five. It'll be the first time Hill Motorsports brings two trucks to the track. So that's really cool to see for Timmy Hill. Alex Bowman just officially announced he will drive the seven for Spire Motorsports. This will be their second start as a truck team 
team after they opened the season with Austin Hill in Daytona. Then you look more farther, further down the wrist list, Sheldon Creed, now an Xfinity driver already making his return to the truck series in the 24 Young's Motorsports. He'll be in that truck. Will Rogers is actually doing double duty, running the Xfinity and the truck race, both for Riumbra's racing. Technically, the Xfinity series is listed under RSS, but that is an RBR car. Logan Bearden is running um, AM's racing second truck, that number 37 entry. Um, and then the 43, like we noted earlier in the, in the show, that's going to be Brad Perez, Samuel Lecomte. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he's he's going to be in the 47 yeah. for Timothy Veens, uh, glory to God racing. So they look to qualify themselves in the race. And then John Atwell driving for his own team in the number 79 truck. Uh, he'll be entering the race at Coda as well. I think he was able to qualify in last year and Kyle Bush, of course, um, or no. Yeah. Kyle Bush making, uh, another truck start in the 51. So a lot of noble names up and down the list, very characteristic of heading to a road course. What stands out to you in that truck series entry list? Ooh, what stands out to me? Well, um, not not much. I mean, Alex Bowman in particular. I, I love that's what Spire Motorsports is doing. It was quite interesting to me when they released the news that they were going to step down a little bit to the Truck Series and yeah. and dip their uh, dip their knowledge into that to, into that uh, for, forte. And I love that. Um, I love that Alex Bowman is getting more uh, seat time. We were talking about um, Bubba Wallace and Ross Chastain. Those are Cup guys looking for more experience on this racetrack. Um, and one thing also to know on there that you said, uh, where last year Coda didn't have a great time with the weather. I mean, like a lot of drivers didn't like the rain and the sunshine mix. And it wasn't that perfect weekend that gave us that festival of like speed, you know, that, that feeling between, uh, between like, if you were there, the atmosphere, you know, like what we've been to many races where there's been rain. We've been to the Daytona 500 multiple times and there's so much rain in, in the, that, that, that uh, happens throughout the weekend. There's rain that happens every other year that cancels that postpones the race or delays it by a couple of hours. So it will be really nice to see a nice dry weekend and, and just have a, give it, give it more of like this uh, festival feel that we don't, we don't have to have it downpoured by rain not nice for the people at the racetrack, not nice for the drivers. Uh, but also, I don't know if you um, if you glanced over Parker Kligerman. He's in the 75, and uh, the second yeah, start for him this right. year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, going to be cool to see Parker Kligerman back in that truck. But, yeah, hopefully, hopefully a clean Absolutely. race weekend. I know the truck series had a little rain in their race last year. Uh, but the Xfinity series was relatively clean. It seemed like they the Xfinity series was the only like civil series last year. So we'll see if that, um, you know, slides into this year as well. Um, you know, notable names on this list. Uh, not too many changes, um, but we'll see as the weekend progresses. Scott Hecker uh, has usually been BJ McLeod's road course ace. Uh, he's going to be in that five car this weekend. Cole Custer, we mentioned earlier in the show, back in the 07 for SS Greenlight. Last race, he was in that car. He won an auto club, so looking to get more experience at Coda and potentially a victory. Bubba Wallace in the 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Parker Chase uh, is going to make his season debut in the 26 for Sam Hunt Racing. He's been a Venturini driver in the Arca Series, uh, making grounds over there. Uh, Patrick Gallagher is in the 28 for Ryan Sieg's team. Uh, we'll have... Parker Kligerman is listed in the 35 for Xfinity. I didn't even see that. That's like the yeah, first you're time. Just, you're, you're telling me. <laughs> I didn't just, even see that. Well, I'm on NASCAR.com, and I haven't looked at the, the team roster submitted in like a few days, and I uh, 
the initial roster showed Patrick Emerling in 35. So now, Parker yeah, Plagerman. I've been looking at Matt Weaver's tweet that was released a couple hours ago, and he went over a cup in Xfinity and trucks. And it says Patrick, Patrick Emerling here. Yeah. So right now on NASCAR.com, Parker Kligerman did like send out a tweet saying it's going to be a busy weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see Matt Weaver's tweet and then Tommy Joe went ahead and commented Parker Kligerman somewhere. Who knows? Um, probably maybe hinting to that announcement, saying something about that. Parker Kligerman right now. Well, let's say that's maybe. something that stands out to me. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe breaking news here on, on the pod. Parker Kligerman is in the 35 for Emerlin Gase Motorsports. Uh, it seems this weekend, uh, Will Rogers, like we'd mentioned, is doing the Xfinity race in the 38. That's a, a Riombros racing car. They're going to just take the 38 owner's points and use. Sage Karen returns for another week in the 44 Alpha Prime. Chevy Josh Balicki is in the 45 for Alpha Prime. Gar Robinson is running the 52 for Jimmy Means Racing. Um, and Miguel Paluto whips out that fifth junior motorsports car uh, for the first time this season, the 88 um, for Dale Jr.'s team. And Preston Partis makes his season debut in the 91. So, yeah, if we're talking about things that stand out, definitely Parker Clearman being listed as a driver um, on, on the list for Circuit of the Americas for Xfinity. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting. A uh, a surprise to me, let's say. And and uh, one thing, one more thing that stands out. I've been keeping my eye on this guy named Parker Chase. He's driving the twenty six, like you said, for Sam Hunt. And um, man, he is a he's an impressive little race car driver, especially on the road courses like in IMSA. I know he ran the twenty four hours of Daytona with Kyle Busch, part of the Lexus Ambassador Sullivan Racing Team. Um, I think he co drove that car or the teammate car. I'm not exactly sure, but. He worked, uh, he worked alongside Kyle Busch, and maybe he got I, – I think that's when he started thinking about ARCA. He started thinking about NASCAR a little bit, um, and maybe that's some inspiration he got there. He's a Texas na- native, uh, I believe. So that's a really cool opportunity for him to get a to get an opportunity in, in, a, in a car because I know last year he ran the 51 for KBM at uh, Daytona Road Course, I think. And he made some select starts throughout the rest of the year. I also believe he was at Coda for the team. So cool to see him get another opportunity with Toyota. Makes sense, his relationship with Lexus. Uh, Toyota and Lexus, obviously, uh, same owners. So Parker to, Parker Chase to get that opportunity is uh, is really, really cool. And we'll see what the 26 can do for him. Yeah, it can be really cool to see. Obviously, road course opens up a lot of things for some driver swaps and for drivers to, to prove themselves on, on a course like Circuit of the Americas. So it's going to be really fun. And in the cup race, the main event on Sunday, I mean, we got the return of Boris Said in the 66. We got the return yes. of Andy Lally in the 78. The money team's back with Kaz Growlin in the 50. Uh, Joey Hand is driving the 15 for Rick Ware Racing. So we got some guys coming back and making some starts, some road ringers in the cup series. So uh, to see Boris said back in the cup series, that's pretty cool. This, the said heads are uniting as we speak. Um, and then we got Andy Lally coming in the 78. So uh, for yep. the cup race, I mean, this is going to be the first uh, race for the next gen car on a road course, uh, kind of really what this car was built around road course racing. You know, we're still going to get to see the slipping and sliding that the Xfinity and trucks do on this road course, but the cup series, it's going to be a new dynamic. It's going to be a new era of road course racing in stock cars. So that's, that's kind of what catches my eye about this weekend. I want to see how those cars handle what, you know, what they do, what's the racing going to be like, is it still going to be huge beating and banging sliding around like we've seen before? I don't really think so. Cause the cars are meant to supposed to handle better. Braking's going to be a lot better too. So it's really going to be interesting. 
Yeah, I remember uh, in the latter half of last year when the Kurt Busch and Martin Strix Jr., I believe it was those two drivers that went to the Charlotte Road Course and they yeah. tested the next-gen cars, the prototype version and the version um, – and the other version, I, I forget what the other version is called, but they tested both those cars. Martin Truex Jr. was very adamant about saying that this is a completely different road course car. It handles a lot better. It's more grippy. Everything that we anticipated, of course – and, and one thing to note is that I love that the, the road course debut, like you said there, it's the road course debut for the next-gen car. That's very, I don't want to say a European car, but it's definitely taken that European technology a little bit, that yeah. V8 supercar Australian technology. It's really cool to see. It's going to be really cool to see the next-gen debut on a European-style race course. You know, we have some other road courses, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, Road America, very American-style road courses. This Coda, this Coda um, road race is very European inspired. That was the reason for it, for Formula One to come here. Has to be a little bit European inspired. So it's going to be a, a really cool dynamic to see that and see if there's any drivers that can learn something. And by the end of the weekend, through practice and qualifying, they can be up there. I anticipate the RCR guys to be better than they were. I, I anticipate Tyler to be leading laps. And I anticipate Austin Dillon to be pretty solid too. I know he's got a lot of Trans Am experience these last couple of months. And I think that can only help him going forward. Um, I think you'll see, you know, the normal heavy hitters, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Barnes Rickson, your Kyle Larson be good on the road courses with the cars getting better. They're going to get better. Yeah. And I'm definitely looking for a lot of fun racing this weekend, three races uh, to watch three, Three fun races to see. So it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of very different dynamic for each series. And then practice and qualifying is going to be, you know, a mess for the Xfinity series and truck series. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of good teams going home. I'm sure. Cause road course qualifying is tough. It ain't easy to get in these races. You mess up. And if you don't have owner's points, you know, remember we're, we're in that uh, spot now we're using owner's points from this year, you know, only six races in the season. Um, if you haven't been on your game, the first five races, you know, you're going to be, could be in trouble going into this weekend. So, you know, you look at the, the Mike Harmon team, you look at Jimmy Means, you look at Jesse Wooji's team, uh, potential for uh, potential for disaster and qualifying. So, so you never know, but you know, before, before we head off the air here, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it was a wild week in Atlanta, totally different dynamic because we had Dakota. I mean, we go from like mock super speedway to road course. Now everybody's got to change, change the game plan in their heads, but there's people with momentum. There's people with not momentum, but I mean, what, what, what are you looking forward to most? I mean, this weekend at Coda, are we, are we, are we hoping for, for a big crowd? I mean, I'm hoping for a big crowd. The atmosphere I know is, I feel like it's going to be great, especially if it doesn't rain as bad as it did last year. I hope not. I haven't checked the weather, but you know, as far, as far as the racing, I mean, any of the series, as far as Coda in general, what, what are you looking forward to most when you think about this weekend? Yeah, I'll take it from a broad, broad spectrum here. Um, We've seen the uptick in interest of Formula One in America. We've seen the uptick in even in IndyCar. The young guys are really, really uh, bringing life into that series. And with Formula One getting popular, IndyCar is too. With Romain Grosjean's success, Jimmy Johnson's success, other European drivers doing really well over there, the young guys. Um, yeah, I think that can only help NASCAR in this way. I'm, I'm looking for a big TV number this weekend, truly. I think there are a certain amount of European fans that pay attention to NASCAR and they know when road courses are coming on the schedule. IndyCar fans will be really interested to see this weekend. And I think the new next-gen car, I don't know if NASCAR placed that whole um, that whole 24-hour Le Mans um, announcement around like before Coda for, for a reason because Coda is very European-inspired, like I said. And I think there's a lot of fans out there that are connected into formula and open-wheel racing. 
But with all the next gen news, I think a lot of European fans, a lot of fans that are fans of road course racing and not necessarily oval stock car racing are paying attention to NASCAR right now and the next gen car, or at least they're educated about it. So if they know that the next gen car is more suitable for road course racing, we're in for a treat this weekend. And I think we're going to see a bigger TV number than we would have anticipated. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the, the most recent big racing series to go to Coda was Formula One. They had a huge audience. The race was a hit. Um, MotoGP know, as well. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I so think it's, it's hard there. to make comparisons to other series like that, but uh, it's a big weekend they're playing, and they're hoping it's going to go well. All three series there. We want to bring the, the best audience we can, the best atmosphere we can. The stars are out. We got Boris said coming, so that should bring at least 10 more fans uh, into the <laughs> stands. I hope so. Um, I listened to so. Boris said's um, interview, his podcast on the Dell Jr. Download, and, man, an amazing story about that guy. If anybody hasn't listened to it, they should definitely take a look into it. But Boris said, really interesting guy, where he came from and the story he got, how he is in racing now. And it's really cool to see him back in the sport. I think he's like 61 years old, but yeah. he's still going. He's yeah. still going and he's going to help, uh, he's going to help car along. Well, he's going to get car along into his first cup race of the season. Um, you know, so, so that's going to be really cool to see. So man, the, the next gen car is out. Xfinity is going to be wild. The truck series is going to be crazy. It's circuit of the Americas this weekend. And, uh, glad we were able to put this episode together and man, after, after, after next week, I'm sure if we find a time, we're going to have a lot, lot to talk about three, three interesting road course races. So it's going to be crazy. So I appreciate all the support on the podcast. Thank you to our partners, five star HMS motorsport. Thanks you uh, to bet online. Thanks to believe podcasting network, tobychristie.com mama media, everybody listening to the show. Uh, it's been another great episode. Glad to have Matt up here with me uh, talking about post-race Atlanta pre-race coda and uh, we'll be back next weekend for some more action. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.